0: Hey, everyone, this is Matt with another overflow pod as we're looking at the second part of how Jesus is God, even in the valleys of life. And this pod is a direct continuation of the last pod. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check out that one or else you might be a little lost here in part two. So in our last pod, we saw that valleys are inevitable, impartial and unpredictable. No one is immune from them. We also looked at two valleys of failure and fear. So let's go right into it and jump to that third valley, which is called the Valley of Elah. Now, that's in 1 Samuel 17. And you're going to go through this valley many times in your life in a similar way than what the main character here did, David. And this is where David met Goliath. You know the story. It's one of the most well-known in the Bible. That's the Valley of Elah. Philistines and the Israelites were in the battle in that valley, ready to battle. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 2 to 4, and verse 11. Saul and the Israelites camped in the Valley of Elah, and they drew up a battle plan to fight the Philistines. The Philistines and the Israelites each stood their ground, shouting and taunting each other from opposite hills with the Valley of Elah between them. Now, the Philistine army had a giant champion fighter. This guy's massive named Goliath, who was about nine feet tall. And when Saul and the Israelites saw this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So they're scared out of their boots. But David's response, now he, remember, he's just a little shepherd boy, but he trusts God. He's been trusting God all his life. He believes that the Lord is a shepherd. He's the guy who wrote that. I have everything I need. In verse 32, David says this, don't worry about a thing. David told Saul, I'll go fight this guy. Everybody in the army is scared to take him on. And the giant comes down every day and taunts and shouts, you guys are a bunch of wimps and weaklings, you're not worth anything. Let's go one-on-one, send your best guy, and I'm the best guy from the Philistines. We'll take each other on. Whoever wins, wins. The battle is over. We don't need all this bloodshed. Just one fight to decide it all. But the Israelites are scared to death. What is the Valley of Elah? Ela is the Valley of Conflict. It's when you're facing a giant challenge, like a Goliath. You're facing a giant. Somebody's in your face. You've got an opposition. You've got an opponent. You've got a conflict. You've got a challenge. Now, the one thing I need to clarify about the Valley of Ela is that what I just said is right, but it's also wrong or rather incomplete. Because when you're in the battle, it's not you fighting against the giant. We think it is. And we mess up. We think that we're alone and we're fighting this giant. And we're like, yeah, we can slay the giant. No. As a Christian, if you've already asked Jesus to forgive you and your sins and trust him as your savior, he is your Lord, your strength and your redeemer. And because of this, he's the one who fights for you. We think we are fighting in the valley of conflict to Elo when in reality Jesus fights for us. You see, we look for strength in all the wrong places. David is actually not the underdog. God chose to set his strength on this shepherd boy. And with a single stone, David strikes the Philistine on the forehead, and he dies before the fight even starts. And in this victory, the Lord of Israel, God, went forward to plunder the Philistines. You stand back from the story of David and Goliath, and the much bigger story of the Bible emerges. David foreshadows someone much greater, God's champion, Jesus who also arrived in obscurity. He too came from Bethlehem and was of a lowly profession, despised by his brothers and weak in the eyes of Israel and Rome. And Jesus veiled his glory in humility. Very similar to David. And this is the story of the Bible. God sent his son who took on our human nature in the wilderness. And then at Calvary, Jesus confronted and defeated our greatest foe, our greatest Goliath, Satan himself. And at the cross, Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and atoned for all our rebellion and idolatry. See, Goliath didn't stand a chance before Jesus. Jesus was the anointed of God, our champion, our Messiah, sent to overcome all our sin. And we stood to the side and watched God's anointed step onto the battlefield and win. It is in Jesus's victory that we are more than conquerors, And so you must remember that when you're in the Valley of Elah, the Valley of Conflict. It's not you fighting against a giant. And it's not, oh, well, David can do it, so can I, you know. No, Jesus fights for you. We misinterpret the main point of David and Goliath. It's not really just this story about overcoming greater odds. That's not really it at all. David was actually more powerful from the beginning. You go into a fight with a ranged weapon versus someone with, It's just ridiculous. David was always stronger from the start because it wasn't David fighting. It was God. It was Jesus. And so some of us are in that valley. And you're not maybe in the valley of shadow of death, but you may be in one of these other ones. You may be in the valley of Siddim that we talked about last week or Eshkol. Or you may be in the valley of Elah, the valley of conflict where people are fighting each other. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 3. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. Some of us, maybe that describes our marriage. You're standing your ground over here and your spouse is over there. And you're right in the middle. And there's a deadlock going on. But you're not fighting alone. Remember, if you're a Christian, Jesus is with you. He fights for you. Never forget that. No conflict is too great for Jesus. Now, one, one, one more valley here. This is called the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca. it's mentioned in Psalm 84. Now, there's many more valleys in the Bible, but I just picked some, you know, big four. The word Baca means weeping. It comes from the root word Hebrew, meaning to weep. Because unlike others, the Valley of Baca was a desert. It was dry, dusty. Arid, a wasteland. And if you wanted to get to Jerusalem as a pilgrim, you had to go through this valley to get there. Now, all the pilgrims who wanted to come to Jerusalem had to travel through this valley of weeping, but it's actually a dry, du- barren, dusty place. This is a metaphor again. And when you're going through a dry time in your life, when your joy has all dried up, maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're the one that's weeping. Nothing grows there. Nothing's productive. There's no fruit, only tears. Psalm 85, 5-7 through seven said, Blessed are those whose strength comes from the Lord as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. Huh? All of a sudden, water is showing up? As they pass through this dry, arid valley of Baca. weeping, they make it a place of springs. Springs, it says, and the autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, growing until each appears before God in Zion. Now I want you to notice first when you go into the valley of Baca, it's dry. I don't have any feelings anymore. I don't feel close to God. I don't feel close to my husband. I don't feel close to anyone. I'm dried up. I've got no emotion. I'm just putting in the time. I'm putting through the motions of one foot in front of the other. There's no joy, no energy. It's dried up. I'm depressed. you may be grieving. you may be grieving a loss going through this valley but this is the kind of people that god wants you to be wants us to be is we make it a place of springs water comes when we show up and then we go from strength to strength that's what god wants to do your entire life as we going from one level of maturity to the next level of maturity they grow from strength to strength Growing until each appears before God in Zion. See, one day we are going to stand before God. And God says, I don't care about your clothes or your career, your cash. I only care about your character. Did you grow when you were in those valleys? Did you go from strength to strength when you were on earth? When you were going through these different valleys, the valley of conflict, did you work it out? When you're going through the valley of decisions and the valley of questions, the valley of confusion, the valley of trouble. When you were going through the valley of the shadow of death, what did you learn from those valleys? Did you grow? See, what's going on here? See, faith turns a place without water into a place of a string where you can find refreshment, where you can find what God wants to do in your life. Even in those valleys of grief, when you are weeping, God wants to use those tears to water a dry and arid place. The valley of is the valley of grief and bareness, and I just wanted you to see before we look at the solution, what God says about valleys. Remember, they're inevitable, they're impartial, unpredictable, we gotta go through them in life, and you've been through them probably in the past, and you're gonna go through them again in the future. And when you're in these valleys of failure, of fear, of conflict, dryness, grief, trouble, whatever, what do you do? Well, let's go back to Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God wants us to remember three things while you were in the valley. Number one, you are not alone. Remember that God is with you. You're not alone. It's one when you're going through the valleys of life. You need to understand that Psalm twenty three four says, "Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me." Two key words there: through. The valley is temporary. You're going through the valley. You don't live in the valley. You don't stay in the valley. You're going through it. It's temporary. And it's an important thing to know that. Because it can be overwhelming when you think it's never going to end. And then he says, you're not alone. You're with me. So even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, sooner or later, the shadow is going to cross your path. And if it hasn't already, it will. Having just lost my dad just a few months ago, that shadow of death is a little bit familiar to me, and it's going to fall across your life. But you know what I've learned about shadows? Shadows are often larger than the real thing. You ever seen the shadow of a truck that was bigger than the truck? Sure. Shadows are often bigger than the real thing. And you know what? Another thing I learned about shadows? They can't hurt you. Have you ever been run over by a shadow of a truck? No. (laughs) It's not like a real truck. There's a big difference between being run over a truck and run over the shadow of a truck. It is your fear of death because you're not ready to meet God. It's your fear of the shadow of death that can haunt you. Fear is always greater than reality. It's an image without substance. That's what a shadow is. But here's the most important thing I've learned. There can't be a shadow without a light. See, the shadows in our lives are the evidence of the present of light in your life. If there was no shadow in your life, there would be no light because if there's no light, then there's no shadow. Shadows imply the presence of light. So God is with me. God is with me even when I'm going through the valley. See, the way you deal with the shadows of death or the shadows of despair or depression or fear that you're losing your mind, that you're going to die alone, whatever fear it is turn your back to the shadow and you look to the light and all of a sudden you don't see the shadow anymore because the light is in your eyes every time you get afraid you need to look at the light jesus said i am the light of the world he who believes in me shall not walk in darkness he who believes in me will not stumble in darkness i am the light of the world see the first thing that god says when he created the universe was what let there be light Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness. When you're scared by the shadows in your life you just need to turn around and look at the light. Stop focusing on the stuff that's scaring you to death. Those bills, those fears, those worries, that stuff that goes on and around you in your mind. And just get your focus off your fear and get your focus on the Father. You look at the light and the shadow can't hurt you. In fact you don't even see it. And when you're going through a tunnel how do you make it through a tunnel? You keep your eyes on the light at the end and just keep going. Remember that God is with you. Shadows can frighten you, but they can't harm you. Job 12.22 says, God uncovers deep things out of darkness. And he brings into light even black womb in the shadow of death. Just remember, you're not going through this by yourself. You may not be able to see Jesus, but he's there. And if you see his shadow, guess what? Its presence shows that there's a light. So don't get caught with the shadow. Remember that the light is there. Isaiah 43.2 says, When you go through deep waters in great trouble, I will be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Now, I don't know what valley you're going through right now. But the antidote, Psalm 73 28, says, As for me, God's presence is all I need. I made the sovereign Lord my shelter. If God is the sovereign Lord of your life, He's your shelter. You don't need anything else. God's presence is it. Remember, you're not alone. When I was 18, I was thinking about memories about my dad lately. And when I was 18, I was kicked out of my dad's house by his wife. Now, Now, here's the thing. If you get married when you're older and you invite your 18 year old child to live with you, don't do it. It's a big mistake. Anyway, so I was invited in and within a few months, the stepmother, my stepmother, the evil stepmother kicked me out and I was homeless and I felt all alone. And the only comfort I had is I'm sleeping in a park on a bench while it was freezing cold in the end of November, right around Thanksgiving. The only comfort I had was that God was with me. And in that dark valley of loneliness, the light that Jesus was with me was the only thing that kept me going. That and hot tea from McDonald's. (laughs) Because I didn't have much money, but a hot tea, I could get as many refills as I wanted for like 50 cents. Oh, and I also got a biscuit. That's what I would get. A hot tea and a biscuit for a dollar. And I could drink really till I was warm. And Anyway. Number two, the second thing you need to know after you know that remember that God is with you in the valley is to remember that God has a purpose for the valley. Remember this whole chapter, the whole psalm is on the goodness of God. God is good. So he has good plans for your life. And remember that even in the problems I'm going through, the valleys I'm going through, the valley of conflict or grief or fear or failure or whatever, God has a good purpose for my valley Romans 5 3 to 5 says we can even rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character character produces hope and the kind of hope that does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts see God is building character when we go through the valley and that character is going to last through everything else Hosea 2.15 says in the New Living Translation, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. The valley of trouble is actually, it is a valley. It's a valley of acorn. Now, I didn't cover that one because it would have been number five. It's covered twice in Joshua and in Hosea. I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. In one translation says I'm going to turn trouble valley into a hopeful valley. <laughs> Colossians 11 says, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when trouble comes, but you will be patient. So he's not just going to give his presence to you. He's going to give you his power. Remember, you're not alone. And remember that God has a purpose for the difficult valley that you're in. Third, remember that the reward will last forever. This is not the end of the story. You're going to be rewarded for being faithful to Jesus in the valley of failure, in the valley of fear, and all the other valleys. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our present troubles are quite small, and they won't last very long, yet they are producing in us an eternal glory that will last forever and is greater than anything we can imagine. So you won't be in heaven for a minute before you're going to be thinking, what did I complain so much about? Why did I gripe and worry? This is worth it. I don't know what valley you're going through, but Psalm 107, 8 to 15 says some were living in gloom and darkness, like prisoners suffering in chains because they rebelled against the commands of Almighty God. So you're not doing what you're told to. So you're in a valley. Verse continues, and he had rejected his instructions and they were worn out from hard work. Then in their trouble, they called to the Lord and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of their gloom and darkness and broke their chains in pieces. They now must thank the Lord for his constant love and for the wonderful things he did for them. See, until we get to heaven, we're going to face valleys, right? And we're going to have accidents, disappointments, financial problems, family issues, mental illness, physical illness. And we all go through the valleys. But here is the difference between someone who believes in Jesus and someone who doesn't. You see, for a follower of Christ, going through the valleys is different. Not because of the absence of the shadow, but because of the presence of the shepherd. I will be with you, the Lord is my shepherd, and that he gives me his promise of power and of purpose and protection and peace, and of course, his presence. Now, I don't know what valley you're going through right now. Some of you are in the depth of the darkest valley. I have no doubt. Regardless of the type of valley, it's not going to last. There is a way out and you have a shepherd. But you got to decide to make him your shepherd. The Lord is not your shepherd unless you asked him to. Unless you decide to make him your shepherd. Unless you've surrendered your life to him. And unless you've said, God, I can't make it through this valley without you. And when you do that, now the Lord is your shepherd and you have everything you need. And he does all these things for you. Did you notice the change in tense when we went from, in Psalm 23, from verse 3 to 4? Verse 1, 2, and 3 is how God helps us in the good times. He leads me. He guides me. He helps me. He meets all my needs. He makes me lie down. He provides everything I need. It's third person, he. And now when we get to the problems, he switches and says, I will feel no evil for you are with me. He didn't say he is with me. He's not talking in third person anymore. Nothing makes the ultimate intimate faster than pain. Nothing. Now he's talking about God out there. He's talking about the God in his heart. See, he has become you. I'm not going to fear whatever because you are with me. You will protect me because Jesus is in his heart. See, valleys are a part of life. They're inevitable. And we shouldn't be surprised when they happen because they happen to everybody. They're unpredictable. You can't brag about tomorrow because you don't know what valley you're going to be in. So what valley are you in today? Are you in Sinem where you slip and fall and get stuck? Or in Eshcol where you're living in fear and you're no longer moving forward? Or in Elah, a conflict, a giant problem that you can't see a way out of? Or is it B'kha, where your grief is overwhelming you? No matter which valley you Remember that the Lord is your shepherd so he is with you and that God can have a good purpose for even the bad things that happen in your life. God can turn them around and use them for good. He can transform even the valley of trouble to a gateway of hope. So when you start to get fatigued and the tunnel seems long and never ending and the valley is dark, remember that the reward will last forever and the present troubles are really quite small and they're not going to last very long but they're producing an eternal glory that will last forever. And it's greater than anything we can imagine. So the Lord is our shepherd. We can take the hands off the wheel of our lives and have Jesus in the driver's seat to guide us, direct us, lead us and protect us no matter where we go, what valley we go through. Because God is not only the God of the mountains where everything goes fine and we can see everything and it's wonderful He's also the God of the valleys. Well, I hope that encouraged you in whatever valley you are in right now. And God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.